0: Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover Two podcast. We are on a new uh, format. Uh, you're going to see a lot more of our faces if you're if you're if you're at least you're going to have the option to see a lot more of our faces on YouTube. I, I know most of you are probably still listening to this on on your phones or in your headphones or in your car, so I, you won't see us. But the, you're going to have the option. Uh, we'll have to discuss whether or not to bring back uh, props, uh, our short-lived props when we had a video session for a while there. Um, Nate, I know, really got into the props. We'll have to see what what well, he can do. Well, you have to decide if you want that smoke again. <laughs> yeah, very quickly, very quickly. I fell, I fell very behind
1: in the prop game. Um, but but today, conveniently, we went away with it. So that's that's just how it goes, I guess.
0: So now we're back, and uh, in today's podcast, we're going to focus. We did the, the last po- podcast ended up focusing on Michael Pittman's free agency. Um, and because of how much money that's going to cost, uh, and, and his importance of the offense, I think it was fair to, to focus an entire podcast on him. We're going to try to go a little bit faster today and take you through some of the other big free agents that the Colts need to resign. Uh, th- there's, there's more than a few. This hasn't happened in a while where there's, there's this many guys who are this important. Um, at least, at least in my mind, hitting free agency all at once.
1: Yeah, and it's guys that like you could argue uh, as we'll get into them. A lot of them, you can make strong arguments, should come back. They're not – you know. Chris Ballard has loved to re-sign his own free agents to the point where sometimes it becomes a running joke that that's his only approach to free agency. But I think this year it becomes very different where they have tons of money in cap space, more than $60 million, and yet as you go through how they're going to spend them, I think you make a lot of strong arguments that the best ways to allocate the money – maybe on guys that they have available right now. And it just kind of speaks to the year that they just had, the way that they overcame a lot, not going their way with Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor and all of that. Uh, The guys that are up for free agency right now, a lot of them are the guys who who kind of had those big performances to put them in that spot. And so it is an interesting list and it makes it so that like, it feels like we have so far to get to even to even talk about free agency, like the guys not here because there's so many guys here that are worth discussing.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I, I also think that this is a good time uh, to talk about these guys because it, it doesn't often happen where guys get re signed, but definitely they can they can talk to these guys right now. They can they can be working on, you know, right now they're formulating their offseason plan and who they want to bring back. They they can start making overtures if they hadn't already. They can start making overtures right now to some of these guys. Um I think I think the first one we're going to start out with just uh you know uh, probably probably the biggest star on this list i mean he is on the stadium now um and and so we're we're going to start talking about Kenny Moore um and you know K- Kenny Moore as a slot guy is coming off of really a bounce back season for him uh you know he's uh he's a guy that Sorry, having a little trouble with, the. Uh... there you go. Getting used to our new banners, getting used to our new banners. Wanted to make sure I had his full name in there. Anyway, Kenny Moore's a guy who he, he was really frustrated coming off of his first year in Gus Bradley's system. Um, both Kenny and the coaching staff admitted that there's not really any question about it. Um, and he wanted to have more chances to make more of the plays that he's used to. Uh, He did last year, although I will say um, a lot of it was – some of it was confined to one game. It wasn't necessarily a consistent thing. There's another player on this list in the secondary who made big plays more consistently that we're going to get to fairly quickly. But uh, from where I'm standing, Kenny Moore is still uh, a very, very important piece of this team. And I, I really don't think that they can afford to lose any experience in the secondary given given the youth and inexperience they have elsewhere
1: yeah, i think they're at a point where last year was a very different calculus for them coming into that year where stefan gilmore asked for the trade and they knew they were going with a first year head coach and a, a new quarterback who's going to be a rookie everything was sort of youth movement mindset so chris ballard came out and said we drafted three corners for a reason and their vets were kenny moore and julian blackman even though he was at a new position This year, it's going to just – it should feel a little bit different because they're no longer guessing on, you know, is this team ready to do something? Can this team contend for the playoffs? At least that's not going to be the mindset. Uh, You know, they should be trying to take a step forward from 9 and 8. And that usually comes with, you know, fixing your holes and adding veteran talent to it. And that their issue was even though two of the guys on this list, uh, including Kenny, had very nice years – their secondary held them back because it was so young. And so you think about how problematic it would have been if they didn't have a guy like Kenny who players consistently said, you know, he was the guy he and he and Julian Blackman really communicating, putting guys in the right positions. You look at a guy like Jalen Jones is a seventh round rookie. And all of a sudden he's starting like 10 games in this league and at outside corner, that is a terrifying position to be in. He leaned a lot on Kenny Moore and the knowledge that he had for his position he's played for so many years now. And so Are you willing to lose that? Uh, I I think that's incredibly risky to lose that unless you're going to upgrade the experience levels of one of those cornerback positions. And I would think that they're committed to Juju Brents. They should be as a second-round pick. So to me, it's more about like, do you feel like it's time to go out and get a free safety or an outside corner who can be that experience that Kenny Moore's not? That's That's the place where I think you could entertain the idea of, not bringing him back, but certainly it's a, it's a position that's very affordable It's a player, you know, and trust who's played well, who, who has a big role, a big communication role Uh, for, to, to me, it almost comes down more to does, does Kenny find more money elsewhere? Because I think the big debate for him and and for them is just what kind of dollar amount do you put on this specific position in this scheme that they're going to run with Gus Bradley?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, if I have a good answer to exactly what what he could get on the market. Um, you know, I think guys in the slot, I mean, he kind of tried to make the case last year that he wasn't really a slot guy. I think that's kind of passed now. Um, you know, guys, guys in that range have gotten into, like, the $10 million a year type range lately. Um, but I, I think one of the other things I keep thinking about with Kenny Moore is – so in addition to the coverage, and he was pretty decent in coverage this year, according to Sports Info Solutions, uh he only gave up five point five yards per attempt, sixty point five completions uh, uh against him. That's that's decent. Uh three touchdowns, three interceptions, you know. And then I think the other thing is it's not just the coverage with him. Kenny had eight tackles for loss. That's as many as Quiddy Pay. Um, and right behind Dio Dengbo and Taekwond Lewis. He also had a sack and a half. He had 93 tackles for this team. He's he's an integral part of sort of basic. Every offense now runs a lot of these jet sweeps and screens and quick throws to the wide receiver and all this stuff trying to get to your perimeter. And I, I think it's probably underrated how many times Kenny Moore is making that play at the line of scrimmage and keeping it from being a bigger gain and it's really important if you're going to keep gus bradley i think because gus is not going to play or at least based on what we've seen in the past gus is not going to play a different more aggressive style that gets other guys to the ball around there you need you're gonna you need to have that player in the nickel um you need to have a corner on the outside who's that physical and i, I think that that's probably in terms of limiting explosives and, and maybe this defense taking the next step, you, you've got to replace that in the slot too, that physicality and that ability to play at the line of scrimmage.
1: Yeah, for sure. He's he's really important to the run defense and he did have the the high tackles for loss. What you know, I you're still wondering kind of just so they made some strides to get him more around the ball or he his production went up. He had the he had the three interceptions, like you said, it was kind of limited to one game, uh, but the eight tackles for loss. The thing though is like ideally you'd like to blitz him more uh, because before that under Matt Eberflus, that's kind of where he would assert himself in the game. So you'd have the the tackles for loss. You'd have those run stops. You'd also have him blitzing. And his pressures, four years under Matt Eberflus, he had eight, 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 and six pressures. And then the last two years, it's five combined. So that's kind of like the one area where I think they could do a little bit more. I don't know that maybe they don't want to adjust enough to do it all that way. Uh, Their pass rush is better too. That's part of it. They're four man pass rush. So maybe they don't need to do it as much that way, but um, it is hard to find the exact kind of market rate for him because nickel corners, a different kind of position. Like I think the, the, the top of the market for his type of player or the type of player he is would be Darius Williams who signed with the Jaguars for three years and 30 million. That was about the same age, but that's just, that guy is a, a production machine right now with the Jaguars. He was coming off the Super Bowl run. The other guys I've seen in this this range of, of getting higher end nickel money are younger players like Teron Johnson of the Bills, Avante Maddox of the Eagles. So probably the closest one I've found is Mike Hilton of the Bengals when he came from the Steelers. Uh, was twenty seven and he was known really as a big high level run defender. It was it's a big deal in the AFC North and. Pretty similar numbers at that that point in their career, so I don't know that Kenny can get four years. Probably is a little extreme because Kenny's twenty nine. Mike Hilton was twenty seven, but maybe maybe he could try for that six million dollar range. I just I don't know how much. I, I almost feel like this is a situation where the Colts could play a little bit of leverage with him because of the position he's at. There's there's
0: uh, sort of a an interesting way with corner where this could go. Just kind of glancing at ESPN's top fifty free agents. Um, you know, Jalen Jalen Johnson from the Bears is in there. Uh Legarius Sneed from the Chiefs. I didn't I don't know if either of those guys are gonna reach the market, if I'm being honest. Um, I, I think I those those two guys seem like guys that their their teams are gonna try to keep them. Um, so you got Kendall Fuller at twenty at the age of twenty-nine. Um chilobe wuzie with the bengal's at 29 and then kenny on that list it, you know is there a, is there a scenario here where if you know say sneed and and johnson are gone and and they go back to their their old teams is there a scenario here where kenny's market kind of explodes on him do, do you think that's possible or do you think that that's the league would view him more as a slot because that's that's kind of where i lean is that the, the league would view him more as a slot
1: I think they'll view him as a slot because that's just what he's played outside of base. I think the the interesting window was last year when they lost Juju Brents and we wondered if they would play him some out there. And that could have been not that this was where their mind was, but that could have been his audition to do more of that. And they just decided we really want to keep you in the slot. And that's what he seemed OK with it at the time. So. Um, yeah, but it's, it doesn't mean that he can't have a market because like, I was just so surprised at that Darius Williams deal a couple years ago from the Jaguars. Now the Jaguars do that and he's found a way to be super, super productive. So I don't know if Kenny can look at that and say, Hey, I'm a similarly aged player. Yeah. I'm not coming off the super Bowl, Uh, but you know, can we, can we get something, you know, if it's not 10 million a year, I don't know. Could you get six or seven? I would be looking at like what Mike Hilton got, Maybe it's a shorter-term deal because he's 29. But to me, it's you've got a player who's in his 20s who's a Pro Bowler who does have a lot of production throughout his career. He's been pretty durable. Like You'd like to think that in a passing league, there's some kind of market out there if he gets to the open market. And there are some schemes that will value the nickel spot more than they do here, including that one in Chicago.
0: Yeah, I, I think I might advocate, even if they're going to make an addition at free safety or corner, I think I might advocate for bringing more back just that, that slot position is pretty hard. (laughs) It's just mentally. It's pretty hard just in terms of all the things they have to do with all the things they have to be able to do. Maybe you feel like you've, there's a guy in the draft you have targeted. Um, I think knowing for sure whether or not that guy can come in and be, be great right away is pretty tough at that position. Um, yeah my i i sort of lean towards this this is a secondary that already struggled this year kind of where i started this this intro with kenny is just this is a secondary that struggled i I don't know if i want to take him away especially considering what they what they're looking at at corner and at free safety
1: yeah and especially when you consider that even if we say he's worth the mike hilton deal at six million a year that's not much for a team that has 60 million plus available like that's if it, a lot of this, what I'm going to do with these free agents is just like, do you like the player? Can you find a reasonable deal? Because they don't really have to pick and choose here. Unless there are other free agent swings they really want to take, it hasn't been the way that this team has gone about it. So to me, there is a lot of fit here where Kenny very much, I talked to him the last day we were there in locker cleanup. He really wants to be back here. He's got a great bond with uh, Julian Blackman and some of these young corners. He's kind of feeling a little bit of a leadership role. He's the guy that, on and off the field a leader. He he organizes their, their group dinners that they go out and do every Thursday night. And he's kind of the guy in the meeting room that's that's been big. And so there is some, you know, when they stress continuity and you've got a corner who's a vocal player on this defense in the third year of the scheme, and he's only going to cost you six million to be a Pro Bowler in his 20s. You know, I'd like to think that there's some middle ground they can find there. It seems like they stepped toward a middle ground last year when they talked through some of these things about the role and they found. More production for him. And now it's about kind of can you find a monetary value that, that works? And that both of them probably have to give in on this because, like you mentioned, Kenny just a year and a half ago was asking for an increase in pay from what he was at. So there's going to be have to be him kind of realizing still what the market is for most nickel corners. And I don't, it, it could be a situation where he goes and looks around and for agency too. And then that kind of tells him whether or not there's more out there or but but I still think it's it's more likely than not that he would come back.
0: let's stick let's stick with the secondary here. let's stick with the secondary as we move through these guys Julian Blackman at strong safety. Uh, Blackman is a tougher evaluation and I, I think that the real toughness of the evaluation is just kind of how his career has gone so far. He came in and, and looked incredible as a, as a rookie free safety, uh, suffered the injury, And and then, you know, struggled through two years, one, one because of injury. And then one, I think coming off of the injury and then kind of found a home at strong safety last year and was really the biggest playmaker uh, in a secondary. Um, It led the team with four interceptions, led the team with eight pass breakups. He was on pace for a hundred tackles before he got injured with the shoulder. Uh, Two fumble recoveries, five tackles for loss. The, the Colts, I think, really valued it just in talking to Ballard and, and Gus Bradley and everybody, you know, all, all those guys um, have have really praised the way Julian Blackman played this season and kind of said, where would we be without him? The, the other piece of this, though, <laughs> the other piece of this, though, that's that's tough to tough to think about is Julian Blackman has, has, has the most he's ever played is 15 games in a season. And as much as you want to, like, I I don't ever want to penalize a guy for, you know, he doesn't want to get hurt, obviously, but at some point that availability piece comes into it as well. The flip side of all that though, is they have a gigantic question mark at free safety. Now they have players there. They have young players there in, in Nick Cross and Rodney Thomas, but neither is consistent. And so could you, would you feel comfortable letting Julian Blackman go at a position that I'll, I'll let you get into this uh, a strong safety position. That's absolutely um, geared towards veterans and Gus Bradley's defense. Like, do you feel comfortable letting him go considering what you have at free safety?
1: No, I don't, unless your plan is to go out and sign a big time free safety or strong safety. And I'm talking about someone like, tell you, if you want to take a huge swing, you go after like Antoine Winfield, even though I don't think he's probably, I don't know if he's going to make free agency, but to yeah, me, he uh, I just like read that.
0: a Tampa Bay Times story today, and like the third paragraph was, "He's not leaving Tampa Bay
1: on Winfield." <laughs> <Who> should. <laughs> I mean, I was blown away when I looked at his numbers. Uh, but for me, with Julian, I guess I, I hear some of the concerns. I guess I didn't. I don't see it as quite as difficult as maybe you do, just because to me, all the concern with him. I shouldn't say all, but most of it comes down to that Achilles tear. That was the one injury that took away a season for him or most of a season. And then, you know, he had to get back from that. The next season, his play wasn't as strong. If you understand his career in the context of that, this year was athletically as impressive, like impressive, maybe more impressive than how he broke on the scene as a rookie. And he's only played, most games he's played in a season are 15, but he's done that, he's played 14, three of the, three of the four seasons past two years, he's played 91% of the games. And I don't know when I was looking at other safeties, trying to like compare it, it was interesting. It was like the guys who've been signing, I expected they'd have more production or more durability. And that's not really the case. I mean, Grant Delpit this year just signed for three years and 36 million. He missed his first season with a torn ACL. So he missed the same amount of time. Now, you know, he'd had more time to come back from it Had had, stack multiple years. I think the argument against Julian just in a market sense is that he's coming off one great year in a row and you would like, you know, you'd like that to be more than one great year so far. But again, to me, that's still the, just the timing of that injury happening midway through his second season that kind of wiped out his third season. So to me, Julian Blackman, I know how much Chris Ballard likes him. Just all the numbers, both real production and under the surface. I mean, he did four picks eight pressures, eight passes deflected. You know, those numbers led the Colts secondary. And then, you know, his his improvement, it, you could almost argue that moving from free safety to strong safety was the perfect move for him. Completion percentage went from 72 to 50. Yards per target from 11 to 5.9. Uh see his tackle rate got a lot better. So it's a mix of getting away from the Achilles, getting into that strong safety role in the box. I think it really fits his communication and I don't know. I was really impressed with him this year. And I thought when he went down against the Falcons, things really, really fell apart. And then we, you know, we didn't see it as much against Aiden O'Connell. Uh, but we saw it the next week, you know, that ended their season when uh when you know they, they couldn't stop anything really with CJ Stroud. So I only think you can let Julian Blackman go if you really are taking a big swing there. Because like you said, it's to me it's even it's even more concerning than with Kenny Moore with all this because you don't know who your free safety is going to be. And so to have to not know which either safety is going to be in this league, I don't know. That that to me would be asking for last year's problems to get even worse this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I pretty much agree with that. You know, you, you try to throw out some of the I I actually think what will happen is Maybe some of those concerns, if teams have them, might push the 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 yearly figure down, his average annual value down a little bit, and make it more palatable for the Colts. They, I just keep thinking about, and I just wrote that this story. I don't think it's posted. It depends on when you're listening, um, but I just wrote, you know, through the uh, the safety story and what Chris Ballard said about the free safety position. Like we talked a lot about the corners and that was why Gus Bradley couldn't do some things. I think the safety position, especially specifically free safety, not strong safety, had maybe just as much or more to do with that. Um, yep. You know, you think about that first play of the Texans game, Nick Cross bites and leaves Juju Brents all by his, all by himself when he's not supposed to, and it leads to a 75-yard touchdown. There were a lot of plays like that this season at free safety. I, I, If you're going to let Julian Blackman go, you you almost have to sign another veteran there. Um and just we we saw it. They tried to give that that role to a rookie with Nick Cross in the first two games of the Gus Bradley era. It went terribly, and Rodney McLeod took the job over. You know, so that's that's one of those things. It's they they're they're kind of in a position where they have to have Julian Blackman, or you have to get somebody like Julian Blackman in that spot because I, I don't know what they're gonna do at free safety. I'm kind of looking at the 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 free agent list right now. It feels like it feels like it's probably going to be those two young guys competing again and maybe there's another face added in but I don't know if it's going to be a top of the line guy. the safety market isn't great free agent wise to me because I, I again yeah. if Antoine Winfield is available, that's different but Antoine Winfield's almost certainly not going to be available.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of interesting names again don't know if they'll be available like Cameron Curl from the commanders, Xavier McKinney from the Giants. So there are other ways I guess you could go. But again, it's like with a lot of this, I'll keep bringing this up. It's it's one of these like you're trying to evaluate, especially with a role like this that's such communication-based. You're trying to re- evaluate things you can't always see on film from guys you don't know versus the guy that you just watched do it in your building for an entire season. And so, I don't know. To me, it's like I have a feeling they're pretty happy. When we asked Chris Ballard about the safety position, he came right out and said Julian Blackman had a great year. Then it was yeah. sort of like, uh, other than that, <laughs> I don't have a lot to say. And that kind of told me something about this specific situation is that can they afford to let the one safety they trust go and then not have safeties? Well, if they really want to get uh, bold and free agency, they could do that. Um, I'm not sure. I just it's it's interesting. The safety is like I don't know, like the, all the ones I've seen sign deals around 10 to 12 million dollars a year they all seem to have kind of their own question marks. Amani um, Hooker from the Titans missed a lot of games too. Justin Reed from the Chiefs, who's now a tremendous player, but he really fell out of sorts, had a really bad fourth year with the Texans. Like I said, Grant Talbot missed a year for the uh, ACL tear. Jalen Thompson's a really good player for the Cardinals, but they it's not like they, that it's only taken bulletproof first four years to make it at this position and get paid. I do think though that, the one thing that I'm kind of leaving out, that, that to be fair yet, with Julian, is that while I think his his time in the league has only been really affected by one injury, he did have the ACL tear coming into it. And so if you want to look at this player who's got a little smaller body holding up for 17 games and not having future injuries as he gets older, I can see why there'd be a little bit of concern there. But like you said, I think that's the league's going to see that, and I think it'll probably drive his price down to where that's sort of baked into the entire decision
0: right it's so it's it's an acl it's the an achilles and it's a shoulder um i think there might have been another one in there that I'm, I'm not remembering off the top of my head but i think i think those are the those are the three you do start, start worrying a little bit about availability on the flip side he has played 15 games twice um i think he played 14 in 2022 like if you're missing two or three games a season that's not the worst thing in the world to me i mean you, you want guys to play all 17 but like I keep a I keep a file with the snap counts um, on my computer. And it's if you go back and look at it in the six years or seven years I've been I've been covering Colts, like it's just really hard for anybody to, to play all those games. I think that fourteen to fifteen range is you can still consider them a, a keep. You're playing if you played fifteen games this year, you're playing more than nine hundred snaps defensively.
1: Yeah, and it's you know, the games are one way to look at it, but until he got hurt against the Falcons, I don't know if he missed a snap.
0: He missed according – so this, this is a kind of a funny Julian Blackman story, so I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, according to the NFL, he had missed two. Um, and I asked him about it, and he was like, I haven't missed any. Now, I think he might have been forgetting like a kneel-out situation or something. Um, but, yeah, so basically before he got hurt against the Falcons, he played every snap. For all intents and purposes, whether or not the NFL got it right or not, who cares? But like he basically played every snap.
1: Yeah, and to to put a bow on it, I I mean I do think his size and some of the injuries that have happened are a fair, you know, I I, I don't I'd say yellow flag maybe in his in his uh, profile. But to me, one other value that he has is that he's in this just in this scheme along with Gus Bradley, he's played free safety, strong safety, and nickel. And that's a lot of knowledge, especially when you are training younger players, with, as they still are at outside corner, as they likely might be doing at free safety if they roll guys back. So, if you are going to try and bring in one of those other guys I mentioned, guys like uh, like Cameron Curl or, or Xavier McKinney, who may have all the same you know intangible traits as Julian Blackman, they're still having like you're going to teach the defense to them through what it entails for a strong safety versus free safety versus nickel when the guy you have here has already played all three. That's why I think it it kind of makes sense to bring him back.
0: Yeah. Um, th- this is kind of a theme right now as we move on to our next defensive player, Grover Stewart. Um, th- the six games they didn't have, Grover Stewart, d- due to suspension, makes it really, really hard to not re-sign him. Yeah. Uh, really hard not to re-sign him. I mean, this this is somebody who basically they were a yard per carry worse when he's not in the game uh, and the difference between 3.7 yards per carry and 4.7 or something it's something along those lines is it's just enormous and they got run through by some really awful rushing attacks they gave 153 rushing yards per game when he wasn't there i maybe maybe in a, if maybe if if they do, if eric johnson looks better and they feel like he can make the leap that grover made between his second and third year you could move on from Stewart. He didn't. He didn't look like that. Um, I, I think you stick with with DeForest Buckner's running mate here. This one. This one seems so cut and dry. Uh, it maybe it's not a long. I, I don't think any of these are necessarily like long term deals. But yeah. you know, it it this. I, I just it's just hard to see after the way the run defense played without him. It, it's hard to see them. And I think, I think part of this, this is this applies to all of the first three guys this was a defense that was 28th in points and it's a, a key point, part of this offseason is for figuring out how to get the defense better and to give up less points. And it feels like you can't take away. It feels like you should be adding to this defense, not taking it away. That's the way to say it. It feels like you should be adding people to this defense, not taking away key players.
1: Yeah. It's, it was just jarring to look at the numbers of with him and without. Uh, so like you said, I, cause I just looked up just to check. It was 3.6 yards of carry uh or about 3.7 and with him and 4.7 without they they gave up close to as many yards in six games without as with as in 11 games with him and even like in those six games without him the best their best performance was when they gave up 125 rushing yards to the buccaneers who had like the worst run offense ever at that time and their best by yards per carry were 4.2 to the titans so i think if you let him go Again, it's like these other things. Unless you have a big plan to replace that, you're, you're just going to accept that your run defense is going to really fall off because there's nobody on the roster that looks remotely like they can step in and do that. I think it's a really hard position to go to the draft for and ask a 22-year-old to be developed in his technique and his strength to hold double teams or, or even have the reputation to command them. And then, you know, if, look at just some of the free agents. There's I mean, there's other nose tackles out there. You could – maybe pay more for a guy like DJ reader who's probably a little bit better again. Is that, is it worth it? Like you've got a guy in your building who is, is kind of close enough to that. The other thing with Grover, it's very impressive to me is, I mean, he had the suspension, but he's pretty dang durable. Like there's like no injuries. Yeah.
0: This. Yeah. Health.
1: I mean, he's barely yeah, the, on injury. The,
0: the suspension I think is like basically the first one.
1: Yeah. And so like, that would be one of those concerns you could have for this, you know, an interior lineman who's 31, but there's, there's no real, I, they've said that they're, they believe the suspension for for performance enhancing substance was, you know, just an honest mistake. If they believe that, that I don't, I don't know what the red flags are because there's not durability. So performance has been very consistent. It's a great fit next to, uh, next to DeForest Buckner. And this is one of those positions It's like later as we go on, if things work the way they're supposed to, and eventually they they hand out a huge contract to Anthony Richardson, I do think like the higher price nose tackle might be something you have to just maybe live without. But this is the opposite of where they're at. They're actually in the spot where you can afford those type of luxuries because you're paying your quarterback something like $25 million less this year than Lamar Jackson's getting. And so when you have that money available, like like with these other guys, it just makes sense to keep him
0: let's uh let's stay on the defensive side of the ball um there's probably bigger names on the offensive side of the ball we've started with defense so let's let's stay on the defensive side of the ball uh taekwon lewis is once again a free agent he has signed one-year deals for very little money coming off of uh, torn patellar tendons each of the last two years um i the colts definitely want him back <laughs> Uh, Chris Ballard loves taekwan Lewis mm-hmm. he had a really good season and I don't know I it's hard it's it's hard to tell with some of these defensive linemen who are kind of rotational uh, and aren't necessarily starters like what they could get on the open market but yeah I I do wonder if maybe if somebody is watching the tape and looking at some of the underlying numbers like, the, 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 the four sacks, 13 quarterback hits, it, if you're looking at, at like other starters in the league, that doesn't necessarily jump out at you. Um, but in terms of the per snap production that Taequann Lewis had for the Colts this season, you're talking about just really remarkable production. He played 436 snaps on defense. You know, that's well below, like, Quidi Pei or, or Dio Dengbo, And and the sack numbers actually don't even tell the whole story with him because his pressure numbers were really, really good. And I do wonder if... And, and maybe the injury history keeps him in that range where you don't have to necessarily worry about it as much. Um, but with Taekwon... I do wonder if maybe some team out there is thinking, "Hey, this this is somebody that maybe we can pay a little bit more," and and you know, kind of kind of like it's not the same as EBICOM because Ebicom was a starter, but is, is there somebody out there who's willing to pay for, you know, what was thirty seven pressures, um, according to Sports Info Solutions, thirty seven pressures, which was third on the team, uh behind buckner and evicom like is somebody willing to go for that and maybe make it a little bit harder for the colts to re-sign lewis i mean i the, the injury history is what it is but the defensive line it's hard to find those guys and those guys tend to not make it to free agency
1: yeah that's it's an interesting point i mean i'm sure there is somebody in some front office that's looking through these numbers and being like wait what the heck was this guy like breaking out and why and then you look into it and it's like He finally got over those patellar tendon injuries, played 17 games. And also, I think they found the right role for him. So, the last two years before this, back, you know, those partial seasons when he got hurt, he was at like 62% snaps. This year, he was at 37%. So, they limited some of the, you know, they kept him more fresh. They limited the number of plays he had to play through. And yet, that pressure rate went up to 10.4%, which is really, really good. And so, He's got that versatility to play inside and outside. Um, everybody that you will ask about Taekwondo will rave about him as a person, as a leader, as a teammate. He is very involved in the building. Um, so he is, he's a very safe player to sign. And I, yeah, I don't know if there's somebody, he hasn't gotten his chance to get any kind of money at all. He was a late, later pick, like I think fourth round pick, just never really got to second rounder because the injury. Second round pick. was that? Second round? He was a second-round pick. Oh, that's right. I was thinking. Oh, yeah, thinking of a different state guy. Um, That's before I got here. So second-round pick, but he. uh, So he got okay. So he had second-round money, but he hasn't really gotten many chances at real free agency. So is this his swing at it? You know, coming off seventeen games, he's still in his twenties, barely at twenty-nine. Had his best year. You know, you personally, I like to root for players like that to go get paid. So I hope he gets to. Figure that out. Um, I'm sure he will because they're not going to franchise tag him. But I know that he absolutely loves playing here. He loves the teammates he's around. He fits, you know, he's fit pretty well in this defense with Gus Bradley. And maybe they need him slightly less than they did in the sense that, you know, Dio Dangbo has emerged so much as an inside outside player. But it's one of those positions like you can never have too many guys getting after the passer playing inside and outside. And yeah, I think it's a guy they'll want to bring back. Just, you know, does he does he finally get a chance to to get a payday? That's what I'm curious to see.
0: If 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 he was to walk, you'd have to hope that Atatamiwa Atabare takes the next step. Yeah. Um and, and and you know, they might feel like that, you know, but you'd have he he would be the guy who they drafted recently who would kind of have the skill set to kind of play that role. Um but yeah, you you you'd need that to happen. Um, I, I think we can move to the offense now. This is, this is going to be, I, I don't, uh, I I don't even know how to talk about this. Uh, this is the other pro bowler on the, on the Colts free agent list that we're going through right now. Gardner Minshew is the quarterback. He's been named to the pro bowl. Uh, a lot of people dropped out. (laughs) I don't know how to say that any other way. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know how to say it any other way but the when the colts announced that quentin nelson was a pro bowler they also announced four pro bowl alternates uh they did not announce Minshew as one of them he's in the pro bowl anyway uh did he deserve a pro bowl nod i'm gonna give you the short answer no <laughs> um but he is a pro bowler and uh i do think though That as much as I'm sort of poo-pooing the Pro Bowl games, whatever you want to call it, part of this, I do think that there's a chance that some team talks themselves into the culture on the cusp of the playoffs and Gardner Minshew is the reason, and we should sign him with a chance to start. I do think that there's like at the very least that possibility.
1: Yeah, there's you know, there's teams that are caught in between you know plans at the quarterback position like the Colts kind of were even though they knew they were drafting somebody maybe they want to get somebody ready um this this year helped him in that sense he got to play a lot it's not the way that they planned for it but he got to be the guy leading them down the stretch and had some good performances in the final month and made the pro bowl somehow so uh he kind of shot his best shot as far as that goes um i don't know <laughs> like the Colts uh They love him as a backup, and I'm sure they would like to have him back if uh, they can. It probably comes out of whether he could be a starter. Um, The other question they have to wrestle with is you know, after they just got off of a heartbreaking quarterback carousel where they spent years trying to replace Pro Bowl quarterback Andrew Luck, do they want to get right back in that rabbit hole and try to replace Pro Bowl quarterback Gardner Minshew? It's risky. So that's something they have to figure out. But, uh, I think Gardner might fight the starting <laughs> position also.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Nate went there, guys. Nate went there. Um, yeah, I. the other thing is I also wonder, like, I know you're not paying Anthony Richardson, you know, a ton, but they, they didn't pay Gardner Minshew very much last year as a backup quarterback. He, his, his original deal was $3.5 million. He ended up getting paid, I think, five and a half because of the playing time incentives. Do you want to pay big money for the backup? Um, I don't know. I mean, you got good value out of Shane Steichen getting a lot out of Gardner Minshew. If he gets up into that 8 ten million $9, $10 million a year range, which I, if you're laughing at me out there right now about that, go look at some of the backup quarterback deals in the NFL. Like that's That's around where it would be if the league de- decides that he's, you know, more of a, a better, higher level backup than they thought last offseason. D- do you need to do that? I- I'm not sure you need to do that when you – considering the faith that they have in Shane Steichen to sort of tailor the offense to the backup quarterback.
1: I think it's an interesting question. You could argue either way because this is supposed to be time to move right on to, you know, Anthony Richardson's team. There's Last year there were – you know, even when they signed that deal – we didn't know if Gardner would end up be the starter, and now we know for sure Anthony Richardson's going to be the guy that they want to start. The flip side of that, I guess, is the fact that the one question out there with Anthony Richardson, or the big question is, can he play, can he stay on the field and play a lot of games? And so it may be worth, when they have a lot of money, paying a little bit more to have a guy they really like as that backup in the event that... Things go wrong and mainly for a couple games. Like these running quarterbacks, I think a lot of people think of it as all or nothing. Like he's either out there all the time or he's not. Some guys like Jalen Hurts, they miss a couple games. Lamar Jackson has missed a, couple, a few games in a season. You don't want those games to be what keeps you from the playoffs if you think you have a team that could get there. So I could understand investing in that position a little bit, especially the fact that, you know, there still is, I do think Anthony is going to lean on that player some still because he hasn't played a lot so that the, there is a value to some of the weekly game planning uh, it helps have a guy who's played um you don't always have to pay a lot for that player but it can it can factor into the choice of the backup you go with so i don't know i guess i lean on i, I do kind of think they should invest in the backup a little bit i don't think they should go the route they did with peyton manning uh and just roll out anybody as the backup but I don't know, but I guess my answer would be I don't think you have to set on we only need this backup, though. I actually think there's multiple guys who can work for that. Gardner's one of them, but I think there's a couple other guys out there uh, who could work as backup quarterbacks, too.
0: Yeah, and I I just keep thinking if you're Gardner Minshew and you're signing back with the Colts, you know you're signing to be a backup. You know know that as long as Anthony Richardson is not hurt, he's the starter. If I were Minshew – I would be hoping for a chance to start, and and Chris Ballard already acknowledged that that's the case. He already said, like, of course Gardner wants to be a starter somewhere. Jacoby, he said, Jacoby Brissett was the same way. Like, he should, he should want that. And I think, I think, you know, we're 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 talking about the money, and I I brought it up, but really doesn't for Minshew doesn't it come down to opportunity? I I think for for Minshew, this free agency comes down to can I get another opportunity to be a starter for this many games again? and and you know just keep trying to parlay it into a, a full time job like full time starting job.
1: Yeah, I think those are probably somewhat connected. If a team's signing him to be their starter, they're probably paying a little bit more to get him to that level. Uh, yeah, I think he's 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 going to want to play. I mean, and, and like you said, he knows what the deal is here, so I would totally expect him to look around and see what he could get out there. And who knows? I wonder how many players have ever come off a pro bowl bid and not started the next year. So um, that would be an interesting choice to make in free agency to come back to be a backup off of pro bowl bid. Uh, but, but, but we'll have to see. I, any anyway, I, I fully expect his mindset to be though, that it, not because of the pro bowl, because of the season he had and the position he's at is he wants to start. So can he get that? If he can't, this is a, this is at least a place where yes you are a backup but we just saw the guy they have go down and i'm not trying to spell doom and gloom because i actually think some people have taken the injury stuff with anthony too too far and i think you know i i, I the hope is that he's out there and he plays a lot and he, maybe he's dinged up a little bit but you do know that it's not the same as like going to back up patrick mahomes or someone like that like there's there is a chance that you could play and step in and be a great fit for a coach that, you know, and I can see why among backup opportunities that this could be attractive to him. It just, is that what he's left with? And I also think the question for the Colts is, do you, uh, do you want to change up the style of backup quarterback at all? Do you want to go for more of a mobile type of player so that you can just kind of build out the same style of offense, uh, you know it's interesting. It's especially with a guy we'll we'll talk about here next, I think that that could could factor into that, just what the mobile quarterback does for the rest of the offense. Um, I know you've thrown out Tyler Huntley as a possible guy they could look at. I think that's a good idea since he backed up uh, Lamar Jackson. The guy I'm I'm interested in, it's a little different than that, but Tyron Taylor, I think he brings a lot of that experience, uh leadership Kind of mentoring, but also is a guy that I think can get the job done when he's on the field, as he showed with uh, with the Giants. I think he's got a little bit more to him than just the um, just game manager too. He made he made some impressive plays last year, some some big time throws, and uh, he's got his own injury concerns. So there's that, but I think there's a couple of different ways they could go. So I, to me, I wouldn't if I'm them, I just wouldn't overpay just to force one player.
0: Yeah, I think I'm on record here as already saying if you can find a backup where you don't have to change the offense and lose the quarterback run element, they should they should they should go that way. I, I prefer the offense where I prefer the offense where you, you have the quarterback run element, especially after how much they struggled when they didn't have Richardson at times. Now I know there were other games where they had good plans and it, it worked pretty well, but I think it just makes everything so much easier. I think we saw that. Um Especially in the case of in the case of our next free agent, Zach Moss, um, Zach Moss is kind of in Gardner Minshew's spot here, uh, a little bit. You know, it's would the Colts like to have Zach Moss back as a backup? Probably. Does Zach Moss want to be back here as a backup? Maybe not.
1: That's an interesting. You talk way to, to him.
0: It. You talk to him at the end of the. You talk to him at the end of the season. You have a better idea than I do.
1: Yeah, for sure. He kind of opened up a little bit on just how like the nerves had eaten at him all year about being in a contract year and what, how that factored into, he had a weird, weird year when you think about it, where he went from being the backup to, or thinking he was going to be the backup to a bell cow and Jonathan Taylor to Jonathan Taylor's not out there. So he's got this chance to the forearm injury. And then this is one week comes back and, um and Taylor's just had such an in and out time that it kind of made Zach Moss's season a little inconsistent too. But uh, but I think he showed enough out there that you could you could start him, especially if you have a – he could certainly get the job done with a mobile quarterback. That was kind of the interesting thing with the numbers is that when he played – in games where Anthony Richardson started, Moss averaged five and a half yards a carry, which is really, really good. In games where Gardner Minshew started, he was at 3.8 yards per carry. Um, so, you know, it's – 3.8 isn't like the worst thing in the world when you factor in some of those changes, but – You know, it's not not a difference maker. Um, And then you have to ask yourself, can any back do that with Anthony Richardson? I don't know. But the fact of the matter is that Zach Moss was, I don't know, he fit really well with kind of what they needed, I thought, out of that spot. In a way that other backs didn't, the the other guys that they put out there, uh, Trey Sermon did late in the year, so I'll give him credit. But, like, Deion Jackson couldn't do that same role. So it's not quite as easy as anybody can step in and do it. Uh, Yeah, it's very similar to Gardner, I think, where, you know he he's definitely proven he's a very good backup can he get a starting spot i don't know from a from a colt standpoint the
0: sort of replaceability of running backs too i think comes into play here because you can probably use a, a third day pick and get it back up to jonathan taylor if you use that pick well right yeah so i i do think that that, that also factors in here is you know, you're already paying Jonathan Taylor a lot more than most teams pay their running back. You can do that with your, with your backup too, but they, they were kind of headed that way a little bit when they had the, when they did sign the Naheem Hines deal, but that was different. Um, That was different because of Hines's supposed role in the offense. You know, that, that was a little bit different. This is, this is for his primary backup. I think you can probably fill that spot in the draft.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's, you know, even a guy like, like Trey Sermon had 4.6 yards of carry last year, Now much lower volume, but almost all those carries were with Gardner Minshew. So it's not like he got the – he just got lifted by he, – he didn't even get the boost yet of the mobile quarterback. So, yeah, I don't – it's a spot where I don't think they have to pay a lot to get similar production. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to wrap your mind around because they're going to have two Belcal runners out there already. and. Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson. And you are in a spot where you don't want it to be like Jonathan Taylor goes down and now you completely change the identity of your offense. But at the same time, until Jonathan Taylor were to go down, it were, you know, how many carries does Zach Moss get within that? Uh, so, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a luxury position, I would say. If they sign him instead of going to the draft, they they're, they're basically saying, hey, we got a lot of money. We really want to feel like nothing's going to bring our run game down and also probably means he doesn't get a starting spot because if he gets, if someone's willing to pay him starting money, even though it's, this is all relative to the running back market, which isn't a lot of money for non-stars, um, even stars have struggles with it. Uh Yeah, it's just, it's, it would be one of those like extra moves for them. I don't think it's, it's not like it's Zach, it's just the, the. The guys that they want to engineer their run game, there's two other guys in the way. So I don't know that they need to overinvest in that third guy.
0: Yeah, uh, what he can get on the open market is tough too, because like Miles Sanders last year got four years, twenty five point four million. Um, like Miles Sanders is much more. He's got 4,000 yards in his career. He, he, didn't, he didn't have 4,000 yards in his career before last year, but he had close to 4,000 yards. He had a 1,000-yard season two 800-yard seasons. What Moss is going to make is probably not that much. I just think you can probably fill it with a rookie deal.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a fair way to look at it. Um, the one thing that I will bring up that's interesting I thought about with Moss is that you know we always compared Jonathan Taylor in that deal to Nick Chubb and – he ended up getting based in the same deal. What the Browns did right after they signed Nick Chubb is they signed Kareem Hunt because their argument was if we are going to invest in the running back and we know the risk of that position, we want both a quality backup to just not, you know, not change the identity of our offense, but also lessen the carries on that highly paid back so we can keep him fresh for the length of the deal. Maybe there's a way to factor that in with, with Jonathan Taylor's. I just think that's where Anthony Richardson is an interesting component because you're already you're already going to lower the carries for Jonathan Taylor because of Anthony. That's at least the plan. So I don't know how, how that could fit in. But that could be, I guess, one train of thought that if you want to bring Zach Moss back, it's just, hey, we did this deal with Jonathan Taylor. We just always want to feel like we have a really, really good running back, regardless of the injuries that could creep up there. So I guess that would be the argument for it. That brings
0: us to our last uh, unrestricted free agent. Um, Rigoberto Sanchez it's it's impossible for me to uh, say they shouldn't resign Rigo um, as long as he is as long as he is at which status which I thought he got back to by the end of the season um, I think he signed Rigoberto Sanchez it, it's I I didn't see like early in the season it seemed like he was a little rusty but by the end of the season he was pretty much who he's supposed to be
1: yeah, early in the season, I do think it was a little bit of rust for him. It was, you know, coming off the Achilles, which is natural. It was just a lot of changes going around with their punt unit, new special teams coordinator, new gunners, bastian Doolin down. And what really was killing them is they were. Giving, I mean, he wasn't punting as far, but they were just getting killed on returns. And then something changed with that right around midseason, around the Germany trip, where they like cut out teams weren't returning it anymore, and they were really getting it either kicked out of bounds or down really well. He got right back to what he was. Was a difference maker, and it's amazing to think that the way that started, the fact that he came off the Achilles, he still ended up hitting, setting career highs and punt yardage, punting average and net, net punting average. He's also the only punter in the NFL that did not have a touchback. So that's that witchcraft. That's that why he's a witch. And when you talk about just players and their skill sets that are hard to replace, this one's pretty harder. That, that type of player at that position is hard to replace. So it's not like you know, he's he's not as important as like Michael Pittman or uh, or our, even our Pro Bowlers on this list, but uh, I do think that he's uh, he's a guy that yeah he's he's I think they were just waiting to see like could he come back from the Achilles tearing the Achilles in the punting leg and he did that in a in a really impressive way and so I kind of expect that to be uh, not really a big conversation and when we asked Chris Ballard about it he just seemed to he seemed to love Rigo and is happy to see him bounce back the way he did anybody
0: anybody else uh uh, on the colts free agent list that intrigues you uh there's some other guys who i think are can be um decent depth pieces but i think everybody else is kind of you know players everybody else at least on the list that i'm looking at are are players that you know i don't necessarily feel like you need to bang the table for or that that are really going to come off the board in the first couple days of free agency
1: Yeah, I don't think guys that are in demand. So it's sort of like you could circle back on the kind of late stages. You know, one guy that just popped into my little bit, I mentioned him was Trey Sermon. I just thought he really fit how they wanted to play late in the year. He seemed to get his confidence back as a runner. And so if you let Zach Moss go and you want a cheap, but, you know, or very affordable, but guy that it's very safe, I think the relatively safe side running back, that's like, there'll be guys like that that I think they could circle back to if they don't get maybe the guys they prefer at some of these positions. But I think we touched the main ones.
0: Well, that's it for this, this edition of the Colts cover Two podcast. We are going to, um, I would say, I would say we likely are going to, uh, next week's probably look at some of the lessons learned from the playoffs. If you can learn lessons from the playoffs, we'll do that at some point. It'll, it'll either be next week or after the Super Bowl. Um, Oh, here one one quick question. One quick question. Since it's going on this week, we are not there, um, given the the fact that the Colts don't necessarily need a a quarterback. Have you watched any of the Senior Bowl practices? No. I, I have watched a little bit. I've watched a little bit. Um, uh, Missouri Missouri product Darius Robinson looked pretty good. Um, I've watched a little bit. I the hard part is. Like, you know, Chris Ballard is going to, to make some picks out of the senior bowl, but figuring out which ones that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the tougher spot. Um, and so, you know, we, we've been paying attention. I, I, well, you'll probably get more into the prospects a little bit later on in the off season. Um, you, you're, you're, you kind of yeah. like, the, the, you kind of like the draft prospect. I do like know. the
1: draft stuff. I'm coming late to it this year. So senior bowl, like I will look at these guys. I kind of. Since I'm not there, I went through the one year, but I'm waiting to kind of get the full body of work, I guess, before I – you know, I just – I don't want to get lost in like a single highlight or or whatnot. So uh, – but, yeah, there's – I mean, there will be guys there that they'll – they always draft out of senior bowl. And so there will be at least guys that we kind of know – you you could feel pretty good that they're like on the radar at least. You don't know if they'll end up as Colts. But I think we'll – there will definitely be guys we dive into based on – how they perform in the Senior Bowl and then their backgrounds going into it that you can put on that Ballard list of potential targets.
0: Yeah. So that's it for the Colts Cover Two podcast for this week. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, the new format works out. Um, yeah, we will see where the off season takes us as they lead up to the Super Bowl Chiefs versus Niners. <laughs>